All right, if you got your Bible this morning, go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We've been talking in these uh, morning, or these weekend services actually, uh, about growing up. And so we're going to continue along those lines this morning and uh, grow a little bit more. Amen. Father, thank you tonight, today for this time. This time we have together, we value it, we treasure it. It's a special time. We're in a special place to hear from heaven, to receive from you every good thing that you have. Lord, we, we just open up our hearts and ask that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts open and receptive. Do a mighty thing, do a mighty work in our lives now. I pray in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Ephesians 4 and verse 13 of course, the fourth chapter, again, he talks about the fivefold ministry gifts that he gave. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. In other words, this is done to an end that you would become a perfect man. Or we could say it this way, a person of full age or maturity. He said, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, so the standard is nothing small. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. And so the Lord wants us to grow up. It's interesting right here in this last part of this that there's some key ingredients there. Notice he said that we're going to do this by speaking the truth in love. Two sides of that are very, very important. Uh, if a person only speaks the truth, how many know that's not enough? It's not sufficient just to tell the truth. And I'm big on truth. <laughs> Hopefully you are too. Lying is bad. <laughs> Lying does all kinds of bad things, a lot, of, a lot of harm. We are to speak the truth. But how many know if you take truth and you separate it from love, what do you get? Sometimes you get a club. Sometimes, you know, and, and sometimes people justify their behavior and the things that they say to other people. They're rude, they're obnoxious, but they say, well, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> well, just because it's true doesn't mean you should say it. Are you listening? There are a lot of things that are true that ought not be repeated. A lot of things are true, but here's the deal. A mature person not only knows the truth, and that is an element that a mature person has. They have truth established in their life. But they know when to say it, and they know how to say it. They know who to say it to. They know there's a time to speak, and there's a time to be quiet. But when they do communicate truth, they do it with love. That will solve a whole lot of problems in relationships as well. How many husbands and wives have told each other the truth but didn't do it in a way that was loving, in a way that was kind, in a way that was easily received by the other person and they felt justified going away thinking, well, what did I do? What I told them was right. Well, you might be correct in that, but it's not all about just being right. It's about having love. Amen. A pastor friend of mine used to always say, he said, it's better to be godly than it is to be right. Now, I think that helps in a lot of relationships when people realize it's not all about just being right about a situation. Of course, best of both worlds were right, just like this, 
the truth in love. You take the opposite of this, it also kind of warps the way things are supposed to be. In other words, if a person just emphasizes love but not truth, then, then what they'll frequently do is they'll think, I need to be soft or kind or loving towards a person, and they'll sometimes manipulate the message to that end. In other words, I don't want to say anything that's true. I don't want to tell you like it is, tell you the truth, because, you know, you might not receive it or you might not like it. It might rub you the wrong way, so I'm not going to tell you what you need to hear. How many know that's out of balance as well? Okay, sometimes uh, preachers, pastors can get into that where, uh, where they just minister on and speak about what people want to hear. And that's really not what the Lord wants us to do. He doesn't want ministers to do that, just to uh, preach based on popularity. And uh, that's one thing I, uh, I think is really uh, cool about our president is you can tell that he is very non-public opinion poll driven if you pay attention much, much to that because most people know the, the approval ratings and stuff are you know hovering down there kind of low. <laughs> And whenever, whenever I've heard him, him asked about that, uh, he always res- responds like, I'm not, I don't make decisions based upon that. I'm sure he would prefer they be higher <laughs> and more people would like him. However, I appreciate the fact he says, I'm not making decisions based on popularity and what everyone thinks I ought to do. I have strong convictions. I, I believe we, and I'm going to act on that. That's a good principle to live by. Okay, what do you live by? We need to have truth be our guide. And I know when, I, uh, when I'm deciding and, and discovering what I should teach and preach and take your valuable time uh, like today in ministering, um, I'm, uh, I'm not asking, I'm not sending out polls, <laughs> what would you like to hear? And you know, occasionally people will come to me, and there's nothing wrong with this at all. They say, you know, I'd like to hear something about this subject, or are you ever going to do a series on this subject? And, and if you've done that, again, I don't mind that at all. That's, that's fine. I'm hearing where you're at. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, I'm not going to say, okay, three people asked for this, five people asked for th- I'll go with that one. <laughs> no, I'm going to find out what thus saith the Lord and then speak the truth in love. Sometimes it won't be what you want to hear. Sometimes it will. But in all situations, we're going to do it in love and speak the truth in love, and I believe it's most profitable to us that way. Uh, many, many children, speaking naturally, parents, have you ever had children who have selective hearing? In other words, they, they, they don't seem to remember everything that you say. They only remember what they want to hear. <laughs> they kind of tuned out some of your language, some of your directives to their lives, and they heard something else. And later when you ask them about it, well, why didn't you do this? Well, you never told me to do that. You were standing right there when I told you. Well, sometimes people do that in church, by the way. It's called selective hearing, and uh, they hear what they want to hear, and they interpret, and we all have a challenge with this, I, I would you know, venture to say, but they interpret things according to their own likings or their own, uh, the prism that they're looking through, and, and they don't receive purely what what thus saith the Lord. This is what we all must watch out for and do our absolute best to receive all words from God. Amen. Amen. Not be quick now. Not be quick. Don't be quick to disagree with things. I'm not planning on getting into some big controversial thing here, so don't take me wrong, but don't ever be quick 
to disagree, especially now, don't be quick to disagree verbally. In other words, if there are things that are brought to your attention and brought to your mind, I'm talking about this now, it's all in context, uh, speaking the truth in love. If I, if I say something today and it's completely opposite of what you've always thought, I would encourage you to not say a thing about it. You can disagree in your mind, but why would I say that? I think people miss an opportunity to grow and to change because they too quickly immediately write off things that they have formally disagreed with. All right. If we do that, what what are we saying? We're basically saying that everything I've always known is right. And anything different from what I've always known must be wrong, so I'm going to reject it. Here's why I say don't do it verbally. Because you're not committing to it. And I know this from personal experience. When I've heard things that were brand new to me, different from the way I thought, and I, my gears are turning because I'm a, I'm, I'm a thinking person. Uh, that sounds, I don't mean that to sound weird. <laughs> I'm, I don't know, maybe more of a thinker than a lot, a lot of people. I'm analyzing stuff. If I were sitting there, list, was sitting there today listening to me, I would be analyzing everything I said. <laughs> In other words, I'm going to look at the scriptures, I'm going to analyze whether I took it out of context, or I'm looking at things, but I do this internally and don't say a thing. Because sometimes I'll hit here and I can go back and uh, think about different times and I heard something, it was new to me, I didn't agree with it, but I didn't talk about it. I didn't walk out of there saying, ah, I don't agree with that, that's so wrong. And later I became very glad that I didn't do that. Because I realized when the light was turned on in my life and I got more revelation, I thought, you know what? That was right. I just totally didn't see that. I didn't know that's what he meant by that or that's what was being communicated. And then I thought, I'm glad I didn't just put my word out there and tell everybody that basically how dumb I was. (laughs) Amen. And so we got to be ready for God to minister to us and, and give us good, good things. A mature person is one who can get something out of any message, even if it's something they've heard a thousand times or isn't from the most, you know, dynamic person. And thank God we don't have to deal with that today. <laughs> uh, I remember, though, when I was in, in, in Bible school, uh, you know, we, uh, there was there was some just outstanding classes and and things that we were involved with, and there were some that were not. <laughs> you know, you have a few classes, and it's like just like in any school, you think ah snoozer, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know certain instructors and so forth that you preferred over others, you seem to get more out of them than others. But a good friend of mine was quite annoying. Uh, because we'd come out of a class that I gotten zero out of. And he'd be talking. He'd be coming out of there all excited. It's like, oh, that was really good what he was saying about such and such. And I didn't even remember him saying anything about that. Here's the, here's the question, though. Who was a more clear picture of spirituality in that case? Was it my ability to discern the dryness and the boringness of that person speaking? Or was it my friend who was able to, in the midst of what what might not have been the most rich uh, class uh, time, that he was able to milk that thing for all it's worth and get something good? 
I would rather be the latter. I think that's a better picture of spirituality, that you can get something from God uh, no matter who the source is. Amen? And so I think that ought to be our heart. I know uh, I'm not an expert, you know, in in physical stuff. Uh, I did take some classes on anatomy and physiology in college, but I was bored. (laughs) Some of you like that kind of stuff. I didn't. (laughs) I'm I'm impressed with uh, doctors and uh, people like that who can do that. I'm just, that's just not something I could do. So bless you. Uh, anyway, uh, what, I've, what I've heard from one uh, particular source is that they were saying that when, uh, when certain chemicals are present in the body, that it isn't able to absorb important nutrients. I don't know if any of you know anything about this or not. If, if you don't, just act like I'm smart. Uh, <laughs> But in other words, certain things help your body to absorb other good things and nutrients and so forth in your body. And I know that's the parallel there is the condition of our hearts are likewise the same. Certain attitudes, certain heart conditions keep a person from receiving and being able to retain and absorb the good nutrients from the Word. And what God would say. And that's why it's always good for us to check our hearts. And make sure we're uh, in the right attitudes and positions to receive from Him. Now in this series, we've taken a number of weeks to, to really define what immaturity looks like. What maturity looks like. So we can kind of get a snapshot at least at, uh, of where we're at. What things need to be developed and increased in our lives. And... I want to begin today talking about what it takes to grow up, all right? What do we need to be in place so we can get from A to Z, so to speak, or we can get from immaturity to a perfect man or a person of full age, all right? These key ingredients will very much help you uh, in achieving this goal. Here we go, number one. Number one, what does it take to grow up? It takes humility, Humility is a, cre- a key heart ingredient necessary for all of us to grow. There must be recognition of a need for maturity before one will ever pursue it. If you don't think there's anything else to get, you won't be going after the getting of it. All right. If you feel like you've already arrived, you'll not be doing anything again to get there or to go up higher in your life. The most difficult people are the ones that think they are mature when they're not. I'll I'll say what I've said before. A person who is immature is not necessarily a problem. It is only those who remain immature. But the immature person who believes they are mature, they're not doing what's necessary to become mature. So they stay stagnant. They remain in a certain position throughout their life and they are very very difficult to deal with all right so we must not be high-minded no matter how long we've been around there is still more that we don't know that we don't know and uh, and there's more that we can still do I want you to look at first Corinthians chapter 3 just not too far from where you're at there first Corinthians chapter 3 and Notice with me in verse 18, 3.18, it says, Let no one deceive himself. Notice the language now. 
self-deception, not talking about demonic deception. He said, he didn't say, don't let, don't let anybody get deceived by the devil. He said, no, don't deceive yourself. He said, if anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. In other words, we must recognize what we don't know. We must recognize the room there is to grow or we won't, beco- we won't get to that place. He said, you need to take the place as a fool. In other words, knowing little, lacking wisdom, so that you can obtain more. If you think you've already obtained, you've already arrived, you will go no further than where you're at today. And where you're at today might be, again, high in your own mind, but ask those around you. Ask Pastor Allen. He'll tell you in love where exactly you're at. Proverbs 26. I'll just read these to you if you don't want to turn there. I've got them written down. Proverbs 26, verse 12 uh, says, Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. More hope for a fool than for him. Who? The person who's wise in their own eyes. Think about yourself. What do you think? You pretty smart? You got it going on? Watch out. Watch out. Now, of course, the Lord is not desiring that we all have a poor is me, woe is me, I'm just dumb. Kind of, you know, kind of lack of any kind of confidence in life. That's not the goal here. But there is a healthy recognition that I don't know everything. There's a healthy recognition that there is much for me to learn and grow in. Proverbs 10 and verse 8 says, The wise in heart will receive commands, but a prating fool will fall. Notice the wise in heart. What do they do? They receive commands. They receive commands. I don't know about you, but there's something about the flesh that doesn't really like the word command. Does your flesh like the word command? Probably not, especially if you're deeply rooted in American freedom. Freedom of choice. We choose our way. We choose our path. And uh, we don't like the word command. Yet the wise person receives commands. They're able to take direction. All right? Now, Now, here's where we get into a scenario where probably most believers would be quick to say, well, yes, if it's the Lord. I mean, if God speaks to me, I receive that. I mean, I would quickly and easily receive any command, anything the Lord tells me to do. I would do it just like that. Here's the problem, though. Often those commands come through another person. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. The Lord speaks directly to me. Well, He does at times. But I'm telling you, a whole lot of times, He doesn't speak directly to you. He speaks through another person. That person has a personality. (laughs) That person has quirks. That person has failures. They're a human being. And so often, people are resisting the Lord. They're resisting what God is saying because of the vessel that it's coming through. Well, I don't really like the way they said it. Well, so what? It would be nice if they said it better, but the Lord still chose to use them. 
And ultimately, I am accountable, responsible for dealing what, dealing uh, rightly with what the Lord said to me, no matter how it came. If it comes on a billboard, or if it comes through another person, or if it is direct line. I'm responsible for what the Lord says. Again, the wise person, they receive commands. I would encourage you in your life to at all times remain teachable. If you're ever going to grow, you have to remain teachable. A person who closes themselves off to receiving more is definitely stopped in their tracks and they'll not proceed any further. Okay, for some, it's, real, it's very hard to say things like, you know, I didn't know that. Because they, they always try to leave the impression that it's not new to them. Even if something is brand new, revelation to them, they didn't know it before. They're going to kind of sit back and kind of act like, yeah, I already knew that. Oh, I've known that for years now. Sometimes they'll leave, oh yeah, yeah, the Lord showed me that many years ago. You just got that? <laughs> Did you just stumble upon that today? Wow, took you. what took you so long? <laughs> and actually it's new to them as well. And that's a big fat dose of pride right there that's in their life. That makes you want to make everybody think that you're further along than you are. You want everybody to believe that you know more than you know. Listen, we are where we are, and not by putting on a false front are we going to change that. The Lord knows where we're at, and also, by the way, people close to you know where you're at. <laughs> if your family knows, your kids that live with you, they know what you know because they've been around you a long time. But when people have this this front, this false facade of pride that says I'm stronger, I'm smarter, I'm more wise, I'm more spiritual than, you know, than, than what you think I am. It doesn't serve any purpose, especially with your walk with the Lord. How many know that Scripture tells us that all things are open before Him? They're all naked before Him. There is no hiding anything from God. And I'm not proceeding further in my relationship with Him if I come acting like I know more than I know. A regular prayer of mine, maybe you might want to adapt it, but I say things like this, Lord, show me what I don't see. Teach me what I don't know. Give me understanding. There's much for me to learn. And I recognize that. And even when I learn more and grow more and he gives more to me, I'm praying that same prayer again. Because I'm very conscious of the fact that there is so much more in the mind of God that I need to get a hold of. Let it be your prayer. Lord, teach me. Show me. Reveal to me. Give me instruction. And then be open now because you don't know how it's coming. You don't know exactly the method he's going to give it to, to you through. It could be reading a book or reading, uh, of course, the, 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 the Bible. It could be through, that, through some person you don't really like that much. And the Lord wants you to receive it anyway. Humility is not afraid to say things like, I was wrong. You know, they, some women say, I was praying for Mr. Wright. Lord would send me Mr. Wright. I didn't realize his, uh, that his middle name was always. 
<laughs> Always right. <laughs> humility is able to say, I was wrong. Humility is able to say things like, I didn't know that. Or, you're right. Uh, here's another one. Humility is able to say, I need help. You know, there are some people that don't get the help that they need. The Lord wants them to have. Those around them would be freely willing to give to them because they don't want anyone to think that they can't do it on their own. They don't want to show even a crack in, the, in their exterior at all to imply that there is any weakness or any deficiency whatsoever. And so they'll struggle through life year after year not being able to do what they need to do because simply they won't acknowledge to someone else that they need help, that they're not the all-sufficient one, all-knowing and all-powerful in all areas. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Again, I am where I am no matter what I say about it. No matter what you think about me, I am who I am, period. And if I'm... I have strength to a certain level. Just because I want you to think that I'm stronger than that doesn't mean I am. It does us well to humbly acknowledge where we're at. If I, if I was wanting to move this pulpit, and it's not really that heavy, but, uh, you know, it, after I'm lugging it around a little bit, it could get kind of tiring. And if I thought, you know, I could get this out that door probably. I could drag it out there. Or I could say, you know what? I'm really not as strong as some people are. There are people that are stronger than me, and they could just, whoop, you know, just lift it up real easy, carry it out. It makes a lot of sense to me if I were to say, you know what, Rick, could I use your help? Could you help me carry this out there? And then we together lift it. See how he's using two hands? <laughs> Now, does that in any way diminish me? I don't think it makes me look bad to ask him for help to do something that I, I need help in. Say, but it, that's kind of acknowledging the weakness. Well, I guess I am saying I'm not Superman over here and able to, to do that. But again, people, if they feel like, well, spiritually, if they ever ask someone else to pray for them, well, there's something wrong with them. I wouldn't say that. I would say you're being wise. You're recognizing your need to have a little spiritual muscle that undergirds yours to help you. Some people, they, they struggle with, with marriage problems and relationship issues for years and years because they won't ask somebody for help. Their pride keeps them from saying, you know what, our marriage stinks, has for years, not getting any better, and uh, I'd like some input on that. A wise person gets help. A fool says, ah, we're all good. Nah, everything's good. Bless God, I'm the man of my house and everything's good. Maybe you're the mouse of your house, but it's not all good. Number two. Number two is a point that I've made at various times, even within this series, because it's so vital, but I can't seem to overdo it i can't seem to say too much about it and that is a key ingredient to growth is the word all right if i am going to uh, grow up i've got to have large doses 
and regular doses of God's Word in my life. Just like we recognize that food is necessary for a physical being to grow, the Word of God is necessary for a spiritual being to grow, for us to grow up in the Lord. We could say it this way, the right diet. You and I have got to be eating right. And we're talking talking about a spiritual diet here. This is essential for our growth in the Lord. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6. Let's take a look at that together. Hebrews, the 6th chapter. Uh, we know this, that, that of course our growth is tied to the five-fold ministry. That's from Ephesians 4 right there. When he talked about speaking the truth in love and growing up, that was all connected to apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Well, what's one thing that apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers have in, have in common? They're all supposed to be speaking from the same Bible. <laughs> they're, they're all speaking the Word of the Lord. One's teaching it. One's preaching it. One's focusing on salvation. One's, you know, they have different emphasis to the different ministry gifts, but they're all based on the Word. And so we can see this from front to back, word, 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 word. The Word of God is essential for our growth. And without regular doses of it, you will not grow. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 19, it says, uh, it says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Notice that phrase. This hope we have as an anchor to the soul. This is vital now. Now, we explained to you early on that one of the characteristics of the mature is that they are consistent. They are stable. They're steady people. All right? The immature are inconsistent. They're wavering. They're committed half the time. All right, mediocrity defines them, going halfway up the mountain. A committed, a, a, a mature person is stable. They are steady. Now this hope, what is hope? Hope is a confident and favorable expectation. Hope exists in a person. I expect because I believe what God said. He said it, I believe it, now I'm expecting it to happen. If God promised me something, He said, if you'll ask in my name anything, I will do it. Okay, I did what He said. I acted on His promise and His word. Now I'm expecting it. I'm expecting my body to change. I'm expecting my circumstances to change. I'm expecting an answer to my prayer because I have faith. All right, where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. In other words, every time God speaks, it gives me an ability to believe what He said. What does this ultimately produce? An anchor in your life. A person without the Word of God, this hope, which is, comes from God's Word, they will be those who are tossed, whereas a person with the Word gets an anchor in their life, and just like that ship can handle the, 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 the rough waters now, you also will be able to handle the rough waters. This, again, is necessary for us to regularly Drop the anchor. Drop the word into our hearts and it will anchor us down. It will cause us to be steady. There was a time in my, in my wife's life where she wasn't reading the Bible regularly. In fact, hadn't. This was before we were married. And the Lord dealt with her. 
and uh, about being faithful and consistent in reading the Bible. And she did, and it produced tremendous change and stability in her life. I didn't know this. Uh, how should I say this? I don't want to tell the whole story because take too much time. But basically, I want to say this. If she hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have married her. And I could say this as a side note. If you're single and you want to marry someone, make sure they read the Bible every day. Ask them that first. Ooh, they're looking good. Got it going. Oh, they got a good job. Great. They're going somewhere. I know, but do they read their Bible? Because if they don't, they don't have an anchor. They're not anchored down on what's most important in life. And I say about my wife again, I wouldn't have married her. Really? You would have held that against her? No, I didn't even know. I didn't know that she wasn't. I didn't know that she had this period when she started to until after the fact when she told me about it. I just know this. When I was around her, I had a check in me that said, basically, she's not the one. I'm in ministry. I'm doing stuff. And I was interested in the outside. But something on the inside of me said no. But then a number of months later, when I saw her again, the color of the light changed in me. It went from red to green. And all of a sudden, she was the one. It's like, what's going on here? How does that work? We could have been having something going on for a while now. <laughs> well, looking back when I discovered what happened, when she talked to me about some commitments, and she was already saved and in church, and she wasn't living a devilish life or anything, but there were some things that needed to be developed in her. There was an anchor that she needed to be able to handle me. <laughs> And to, and to be able to be in the ministry and, and just go from that immediately into a place of, of leadership. And it was her regular reading of God's Word that made the difference in her life. I wonder where you could be today. I wonder where some of us would be if we had taken the time. And we make it real easy here at church with this whole chapter a day business. At least get you started. If people would take the time to put God's word into them, it would cause much spiritual development. Now, it's not the only ingredient, okay? But it is one of the most important ingredients. Take time. If you've not been consistent, I know this. I don't have to be prophetic. Most Christians don't. I know concerning my own life. There have been periods of time when I slacked off in the ministry. Now, I still studied because I had to preach. But, you know, when you read less for your personal life and just your personal uh, spiritual food. But, you know, you know this, that there are people in church who backslide. I don't know if you've ever recognized that. But it's very difficult. I'm not saying whatever. I don't know all things. But it's very difficult for a person who is not only a part of a good church fellowship, but they're also in the Word and in prayer, in fellowship with God daily. Those kind of people don't backslide. They don't get away from God. Why? There's something that's holding them there. It's, it's heavy. It's weighty in their life. Every time they go to make a decision, well, they just got done meditating earlier that morning. Maybe they only took five or ten minutes, but they, you know, they, they, they got in the Word. 
and it holds them steady on course through their life. It makes such a major difference. Again, I don't think I can overemphasize the point that we have got to have the Word of God in our lives if we're going to grow. And we need it in large doses and regular doses. Don't just eat once a week. Hmm. Does that work physically? <laughs> no, you can't, you can't live that way, just eating once a week. Well, again, developing spiritually, we've got to have more than that too. Amen. All right. You know, First Peter, First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 says, As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Amen. Let's, let's give you one more point today, then we'll finish. Number three, I want you to look at the book of James. James chapter 1. Number three, this is real important, and that is resistance. What is necessary for me to grow? It is resistance. This is not the happy point. (laughs) This is not, yeah, resistance. I want some of that. No, actually, you really don't, but you do. I mean, it's not something we particularly enjoy unless you learn a principle that goes with it, okay? In James chapter 1 and verse 2, he said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Well, that doesn't make sense, does it? Why in the world would you count it joy when you fall into a trial? Well, the simple answer is because it's not joy. There is no inherent happiness. There is no inherent joy or feel good in trial. In a trial, just the opposite is what it's... The, the, the trial is designed to produce the opposite in you. The trial is designed to ruin your life, to get you to compromise, to get you to give up on your faith, for get, get you to quit in some area, to get you to let go of God's promises and God's faithfulness in your life. That's why the trial comes. You read later on in this that these things don't come from God. He's not sending it. However, he does have wisdom for us in dealing with the trial that is going to come. As believers, we are not exempt, and we say, well, I just believe God. Well, that doesn't mean you're just going to slide through life and never have anybody get in your way, never going to have any hiccup or problem in life. But we're given direction on how to respond to the trials. Here's how you do it. You ready? Count it joy. Why? Again, because it's not. If you don't purposefully do this, it will turn your smile upside down. It will be difficult and be hard on you and likely it will overtake you and knock you back a step in life. However, if we know what the potential of it is, and we choose to smile at it, is that the best you got? (laughs) Is that all you can give me? Then we've reversed what was meant to be a curse, and now we're going to take advantage of it and actually go higher. This is so key. And this is where many, many believers fall off the growth train. They're doing fine, doing good, probably getting into the Word and exercising some humility. 
But when a trial comes, they don't want to deal with it. They are not going to smile about it because it's not funny. It's This is not happy time. And so they run from it. They cave. They leave the circumstance and situation. They get away from it instead of standing in the middle of it and saying, Oh, good. I've been needing a good workout. And now I've got an opportunity. You see, naturally speaking, we're not going to look at a trial as an opportunity. And I'm right with you in that if you're thinking that. Like, I don't want that. Neither do I. But we live in this fallen world and there will be trials. There will be stuff that comes our way. It's all about how we respond to it. He said in verse 3 here, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. In other words, if I will stand in there, patience means constancy. It means we remain the same. Isn't that what we're talking about in growth with an anchor to our soul? What what does it do? It keeps us steady. But if I run from it, if I don't take it head on, I'm again missing an opportunity for a workout. If a person wants to grow their muscles, what do they need to do? Get your butt down to the gym and push on stuff really hard. Lift stuff and pull stuff and push stuff. And, and, do, and if you'll do that, tomorrow you'll feel it. And the next day you'll feel it. But if you get back in there and do that some more and more, what's going to happen? You are going to grow. Your muscles are going to increase and get stronger. What happens in life if we're dealing with a trial and we think, you know, I'm not much into working out. I'm not much into exercise. Well, we have got to be into exercise when it comes to our spirit man. We have got to be into this because those things are coming our way. And again, we choose. I'm going to take this as an opportunity to make my life better. If you're in the midst of a test or trial and things are going wrong right now, hey, I have compassion and sympathy and everything else. However, don't let it run you over. Switch your attitude about it today. And when you think about it, put a smile on your face and say, okay, good. We're going to turn this test into a testimony. We're going to, well, I'm not going to become a victim, but I'm going to become a victor in this situation. I'm going to overcome. I know God's not sending all this junk my way. However, he's on my side. And if I'll stand strong, he'll enable me and he'll help me. And I'm going to come out of this thing constant with developed patience. Someone said, I'm just praying for patience. Quit it, because you're going to get more trials. <laughs> this is how patience is developed, not by praying for it. Lord, give it to me. No, it's already a part of the, it's already a fruit of the Spirit, right? But these things develop in our lives by putting them into practice and into motion. And if we deal rightly with the trials and tests, that's when... We are able to grow in the middle of it. Praise the Lord. Faith sees every challenge and opportunity as an opportunity for a workout. I believe we should all, every one of us, always be using our faith on something. Even if you're not in the middle of of, of various trials, as it says here, what are you trusting God for? Whom are you trusting God for? What person are you believing God for that's lost and you're trusting for their salvation and you're praying for someone else's victory or maybe someone else is in a trial and you're out there, you know, giving them a spot or something. 
Come on, you can do it. Uh, come on. You know what I'm talking about? All right. We're there. We're in, we're in this. We're in this daily. That Those are the kind of people that grow. The people that don't grow again, when things get hard, when things are difficult, and a lot of times that has flesh and blood on it, it's, wearing, it's in somebody else, they cruise. I just want to deal with this. I don't have to deal with this. I don't have to put up with that kind of stuff. I mean, why me? Well, who do you want it to be? Somebody else? Take it as an opportunity for a workout. All right? If you and I are among those who grow and increase, we stay there and smile in the midst of a storm. If, we've, if we stay, if you've been the same level of maturity year after year after year, I can tell you what you've been doing in the storm. When various trials have come your way, you have not counted it joy, but you ran away. And you got out of that circumstance, situation somehow, or just completely leaned on natural means as a solution. You always went, went to Uncle Joe to bail you out. You always went to this other thing to bail you out. It was always a natural solution. Therefore, you've stayed the same. But I'm telling you, there is a way to come up higher. There is a way for us to grow and increase. And the things that you deal with today, by dealing properly with them today, when they show their ugly face the next time, you're laughing. What, you back? (laughs) I know how to deal with this. This is easy. I mean, after, uh, you know, there may have been a time where you're, you're bench pressing and 200 pounds is like, <clears throat> you know, it's just too heavy, you can't even lift it. Or maybe you barely squeak out one. Talking about a bench press now, if you don't know what I'm doing. But if you stay in that place and you do it consistently, how many know it's after a while you're doing sets of 10? And you're doing 200 like this and you look at 200 things. What, we just warming up here? <laughs> Right? That's true concerning the things that we deal with in life. Some things that are overrunning you now and they knock you out. As you stay with it, you'll get to the place where that particular thing is its nothing. It's like, bring a challenge on, man. What's that? That's easy. Amen. Father, thank you today for doing a good work in every heart, helping us to increase, to see recognize what you're saying and doing in our lives. Lord, I believe that you're bringing us up. I believe that you're taking us higher and causing us to increase more and more. We want to develop in maturity. We want to develop in our relationship with you and be strong for your name. Be strong for your kingdom. Lord, thank you for helping us. We just do wait on you. We believe that you're at work. We believe that you're faithful. We believe that you're guiding us into all the truth that we need. Every nutrient, every ingredient to our growth, you are providing for us. So we do not have to remain the same. But we can go from glory to glory from faith to faith in Jesus name thank you Lord thank you Lord Father I do pray for any person who's come to church this morning that's never been saved